Welcome, everybody, to the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Omar here, alongside with Rafa. One man down. Alex is out this week, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because we're going to be talking about Tom Thibodeau later this episode. And I always feel wrong when we talk about Tibbs when his staunchest defender is not here. Uh, Rafa, how are you doing? It always tonight? happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, uh, a bit tired from the heavy work today, heavy workload, but uh, doing fine. Talking Knicks it always always gets me hyped up. It's nice to talk Knicks when they're actually winning, right? <laughs> like that's the... That's yes, it's when it's not bad stuff. Something new, man. It's something new. It's good. Right. Let's enjoy it. Um, yeah, so just kind of give you guys a rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. Going to be talking a little bit about the Mitchell Robinson comments on social media. Going to be talking about uh, something that Richard Jefferson said about Knicks fans. Uh, talking a little bit about Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs and a little close the episode out to with we're just going to let Rafa go and talk about. Uh, the gospel of R.J. Barrett in the paint and how he's been very good at that. And then we'll, of course, close out every episode like we do with game picks. So let's talk a little bit real quick about the week that was. Uh, Knicks with three wins. Um, all three of us look like idiots. We said one and two. Um, all of us. You know, we only expected that win to come in Portland. And it came in Portland. It came against the Lakers. And it came against Denver uh, yesterday, which was... The most surprising one to me, Rafa, the, you assume Denver's coming in. They're number one team in the West. Knicks, you know, have been kind of up and down. You didn't know if Jalen Brunson was going to be back, which he was. And, he, uh, you know, they, they took care of business at home. Um, both centers did a great job on Jokic, and, and, and they got the W, which is a huge win because today on a back-to-back, the Nuggets beat the Nets. So that kind of created a little bit of separation for us, but – uh, how surprised are you that the Knicks beat the beat the Nuggets there, Rafa? Before we jump into our topics, I think I, I said last week that it could have been a close game, mm-hmm. not knowing if Brunson would play or not. Can be a a close game without Brunson. I think it's it's a it's a loss. Uh, but with Brunson, it could be a uh, could be different. Uh, if Trey, it was, and we we fought back, we clawed, we fought against the. Uh, uh, one of the best teams in the league and the uh, three the future three time MVP <laughs> Nikola Jokic future three time MVP yeah yeah there you go <laughs> um so yeah it was a pretty good win I think it was uh, uh, I was discussing with the uh, um friend on uh, about the about the Knicks about this win it was a a team win you don't have that guy scoring forty points to get the win it was a team win the points were spread out. Guys were sharing it, uh, the, the moments. So it was a, a pretty good uh, effort from everyone. And obviously Brunson wasn't a hundred percent stretches. He he looked like hundred and ten percent. But what it's Jalen Brunson. He always gives his all, his his uh, his one hundred percent best. But yeah, man, it was. I'm such a believer in this team now that I think we can full force. I think we can beat the Nuggets. Maybe not in a seven-game series, but who knows? Yeah. I am that confident right now. Yeah, and they, they look great, especially, like you said, with Brunson on the on the floor. When he's available, I, this team, I feel – I agree with that. I feel like they can compete with anybody. Um, yeah, and it's always great when you see Julius, RJ, and Brunson all kind of scoring 20 or more, you know, the nice balance attack. I think that's when, that's when this team is at its best. Great contributions from the role players and the bench players as well, so – but speaking of one of those guys, 
start off talking about Mitchell Robinson. So before the Denver game, uh, there was some uh, some stuff going on. So Mitch went on Snapchat, was just saying how, you know, oh, just out here doing cardio because he had a, a game where he was zero points, three rebounds. You know, it was not a good game for him. And he came back against Denver and uh, played really well. Uh, but, you know, he was uh, he went on Instagram later on kind of retracting what he said and and saying how he was kind of in the heat of the moment and uh, he was frustrated uh, that, yeah, sure, he could take a bunch of shots. But, you know, he knows his role on this team is to defend and to rebound and things of that nature. Thibodeau backed him up as well, which I thought was a really interesting comment from Thibodeau. I don't know if you saw this, Rafa, where he was basically saying, oh, you know, he's um, – He's still maturing. He got let his emotions get the best of him. That's how he uses his this is outlet he uses to vent. It was an incredibly mature answer. Well, not mature, I guess. A incredibly like understanding answer from Thibodeau that that I I just really wasn't expecting. Like for him to even like know what social media is, let alone be understand why his players would use it, was kind of shocking to me. Um, but I guess what were your it's thoughts? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. What are you saying? Now, I was saying it's tips in a, not only tips, but understanding the new generation of players yeah. that, uh, that, that is around there. Uh, just uh, venting on Twitter or, or on Instagram or whatever. To me, to be fair, you were to your, I think with, with your question was about the, the, the Mitch thing. It's, I mean, it's Mitch. He's, he does this and then is happy for two weeks and then there's the game he's frustrated and because he didn't get, doesn't get the ball and he, he goes on Twitter, but cardio again on twitter not on instagram sorry it's but it's, i think it's the first time they actually addressed it like mitch apologizing and tibbs talking about it i don't know what if what the different approach was here but i think it was the first time he actually tibbs talking about social media and the players going on social media um i mean and he gave the the perfect answer to in the game against denver he played really well on on uh, on Jokic. Which is a really tough ma matchup. I mean, you look at Mitch, you don't seem like Mitch is a guy who can guard Jokic effectively. Mm -hmm. But he, he did it. He did a pretty good job. Uh, well, no, his role, he played defense. And uh, he knows everybody trusts him for playing defense. And they know that the paint is his uh, uh, thing right there. He knows when people were, when were breaking threes, it's uh, basically a, a assists to Mitchell Robinson out there <laughs> on the offensive glass. So it's... Uh, I'm not against players showing frustration or show, saying something. Uh, I think I said it before. If a guy doesn't show any, uh, doesn't doesn't show any type of frustration, he doesn't care. Right. And if you say something or you mention it in some way, it's because you care. Even if it's on social media, I mean, it's a nothing tweet. People moved on. It's uh, not tweet again, uh, Instagram post. But it's, <laughs> to me, it's a, it was a non-issue. It was like, oh, Mitch. Mitch acting up again. It's okay. He was the same guy who was go going on Instagram, posting money bags after he, after he got his big contract. So <laughs> I don't I don't mind. Yeah, I I kind of had the same reaction. You know, I think Mitch is kind of a funny guy. I think it probably was kind of meant as a joke. I think he kind of lo looks at it that way. And he, to his credit, kind of owned up to it the following day. And and to yeah, his, I, I guess this brings up the next thing, which. You know, I think he has he kind of has a little bit of a, a good reason to be a little frustrated, I think, because 
he, none of these centers well actually because of Hartenstein kind of getting that getting the looks to get those little push shots from like eight feet away Mitch doesn't really get those opportunities oh, yeah. yeah now you could argue to and say hey Mitch isn't going to make those shots Hartenstein's become very good at that shot but I, I still think like he probably looks at that and you know the the minutes division between Hartenstein and uh and Mitch are pretty equal right now they each you know, kind of like one guy will pay like 28 minutes one night, the other guy paid like 22 the next night, that kind of thing. Um, so the minutes division is pretty equal. And a lot of times they have Hartenstein on the court late in the fourth. So if you're Mitch, you're probably thinking like, man, you know, I'm not getting involved in the offense. I'm not playing it in, in these winning time minutes. So do you think that they should make an effort to get him more involved? I mean, what can Mitch do offensively other than offensive rebounds mm-hmm. or other than uh, alley-oops and dunks? I mean, that's the thing. You can't really – he had a I – don't, I don't remember which game was it. He had a, a game uh, – someone posted him in, uh, giving him the ball inside. And he tried to move and missed it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mind maybe just because we're such, such a uh, heavy high school team. Maybe uh, – oh, that's something different. Go, Mitch. Brick a shot. I mean, we we have so many bricks from three. Why not a a, a brick from from the inside? I mean, the only guy you feel only plays with Mitch offensively, and he's better when Mitch is out there. Uh, is R.J. Barrett the double that uh, two man uh, team? But the the pick and roll. It's very simple basketball play. The pick and roll. It's like R.J. looks looks to 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 Mitch a lot. Um. But yeah, I don't think Mitch is not known for being a, a great defensive player. He's not a great passer. It's, he's a much better defender, the protector, rim protector than uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. It's they're two different centers. They give us different things, and that's what we asked for. We have Mitch for that rim protection, and we have Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he is a a better perimeter defender mm-hmm. as a big, not yeah. crazy uh, amazing, but he's a, a bit better. He struggles protecting the paint, but he had that amazing block last night, which is a, a last afternoon. Sorry, yeah, strange yeah. to say that afternoon game. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they give us two different things. So it's a uh, normal. Mitch got the big contract. He's we may probably expecting to get more minutes, but he knows he's not going to get that offensive game, thirty and 50, thirty points and fifteen rebounds. He's well, he's not. That guy, you will get a few offensive rebounds, a few alley-oops here and there, and that's it. I think about – I'm trying to remember who said this, but I th- it might have been like a former coach. like It might have been Larry Brown or something. And he was talking about how when he had uh, you know, some centers that were like primarily rebounding defensive specialists, he said, like, you know, every now and then you got to give them, give them a post play. You know, you don't think it's a good play, but you're giving it to the player – so they feel better about it. They feel more involved in the offense. Sometimes I think they need to do that with Mitch um, specifically because he does a lot of dirty work. He did a great job on Jokic. He he had his hands full with Nurkic against Portland. Uh, he helped out a lot against AD against Lakers. So he he gets a lot of the these tough assignments, you know. And for as much as we say that the center position is kind of dead, you know, there are a lot of really skilled centers. You know, he's trying to deal with Embiid whenever you know, we play the Sixers. And so that's hard work, you know, rebounding, especially offensive rebounding. 
blocking shots, that's tough work. So give it to him uh, five feet away from the basket and let him like work on a, uh, some sort of post move or something and go for it. Uh, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Maybe those are three dead possessions throughout the course of a game. But I think in the long run, you get this guy's buy-in and, and then he's not going on Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter, or whatever his social media of preference and saying things about how he's not getting involved, how, because it, it has to be frustrating for him as a player, you know, and, and we've noticed that Mitch isn't the most mature guy. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I mentioned this the other day and you, you look at RJ, you look at Mitch, you know, very close in age. Right. But Mitch is so vastly more immature than RJ. RJ always knows what to say. Even when he's frustrated, you can never tell, you know, and the only time he really looks frustrated is when he doesn't get a call, you know, and that's that, that but that's every player. Every right? time. Yeah, yeah. Every time he goes to the paint. But Mitch, on the other hand, he's more of a, you know, he's he's a vocal type of guy. It's just how he is, you know, and he gets frustrated. He, and so I think you got to, if you're a coach, right, you kind of have to manage the ego a little bit. Understand that he doesn't need a lot, but just dump the ball into him a couple times in the dunker spot and see what he can do with it, whether it's, you know, doing the layup, maybe he gets fouled, you know, whatever the case may be. But don't just totally ignore him offensively and and have only his only offense be off of lobs and um, and put back dunks, you know. So I think that's they kind of Thibodeau and the rest of the coaching staff has to kind of strike that balance, right, of being able to keep him happy while still having him give a bunch of effort, you know, so he's looking at it as like, oh, I got a couple post touches and I got some points in. Now uh, that, that juices him up, right, to be able to go that much harder defensively and on the glass. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely agree with that. It's just, just keep guys uh, uh, happy some way. If it's three possessions, two possessions in a, a half and or to whatever. Be, to be I mean, honest, Rafa, I feel the same way about RJ. Like, don't relegate this guy to only being an initiator when he's out there with the bench unit. Don't relegate him to being a spot-up shooter. Every now, like, you give Julius touches, you give Jalen, obviously, the bulk of the touches, you give quickly uh, opportunities to initiate. Let RJ bring the ball up a couple times a game. Let him initiate a play in the offense, whether it's one of these dribble handoffs to Julius or Jalen or whatever the case may be, or let him get into a couple ISO looks uh, if, they, if you guys have a good matchup. And I just think that that just – goes into it even more there's so there's such a delicate balance of you want to be able to kind of let everybody flourish and let everybody do their thing and i think that that's something that the team should look to continue to do or start doing actually i guess uh, i should say uh more more in the future to keep these guys you know keep them happy with uh with playing here and happy with their roles to be fair this did a the other thing is he wasn't playing very well offensively. His shot wasn't falling. He was struggling again. So I think it's only natural that even himself, he tries to uh, back down from taking that those many shots mm -hmm. or trying to take a shot. Why am I taking forcing shots right now when the shot is not falling, when Randall and Brunson is, are hitting everything? Mm -hmm. So apparently uh, Brunson went down and he uh, is averaging 20 four points or 23 point something points per game ever since Brunson went down and came back as well these mm -hmm. last couple of games. So his shot is falling in the paint. We will, we will talk about this, but the paint, the, the production is there. 
So it's only natural if, okay, the, if the shot is falling there, it's, that's another weapon we can use even with Brunson and Randall on the floor just to rest up Randall and Brunson. So it's uh, this is only the moment the shot wasn't falling, so let other guys cook. And if RJ is consistent with that and, and if he can hit a tree to save his life now, is uh, um, it's a whole different offensive game we have. Yeah, and I guess bringing it back to Mitch, you know, I would love, just love to see him just hit a little, like, baseline 10-footer, you know, just give the threat of that. You know, obviously everybody talks about the three-point shooting videos and stuff like that, whatever. I don't care about that. Like, give me, like, a foul line jumper that you could hit, you know. It doesn't have to be all the time. I'm not asking to be Joel Embiid, right? Just... Every now and then, if they if they sag off of you and you got that free throw line jumper and you could hit that consistently at a pretty decent clip, that just makes yeah. our offense that much more dynamic. Not to say it's not dynamic as it is, but um, I think if he shoots with that with that free throw arc, he doesn't have it's. Uh, I don't want to see that those shots. Yeah, I mean, even it's, if it's something uh, like yeah. again, like that push shot that Hartenstein does, you know, like. Something that is going to be other than a dunk, you know, and I think that would just adding more complexity to his game is one going to be good for this team Two, good for his career in the long run, because eventually when he gets over 30, you know, in a number of years here, he's going to lose some of that athleticism, lose some of that recovery speed. So he's going to have to be able to do stuff to be still be able to make rosters and be a viable piece in the league. So hopefully we see more out of Mitch, um, if not this year, in the coming years. You know, So we'll see um, what he does with that. Uh, I kind of want to shift gears here and talk a little bit about something that Richard Jefferson mentioned. You know, uh, Obviously, Knicks fans have a certain type of relationship with Richard Jefferson. It's always critical. I can't believe we are at, this, at the time of this podcast when we are talking about Richard Jefferson. It's... It, Unthinkable, unfucking thinkable. So, Go ahead. There's a, yeah, there's a sound bite that kind of cut out that you know Jeff RJ was walking through a tunnel, and uh, a Nick fan asked why he hates the Knicks or whatever, and he had a very interesting comment where he's like, "Y'all hate y'all," you know, where talk about how Knicks fans are really super critical of any player that plays for them, and that they're basically kind of miserable. So. My question to you, Rafa, is does he have a point? Is there any fan more critical than this the 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 the, the fan of the team of the well you're a fan of a team, basically? Let's Ooh. try and let try, try it like this. You will always be more critical of your own team because you want the best. And you you actually watch the games. Just you don't watch the games you're uh, just the game you are watch you're uh, commentating on. You watch the games, you have more opinion, you know the players more, and you well obviously you think you're GMs as well because you know the guy who to trade and everything. Obviously, but you'll be more able to criticize your own team because you want to win. Screw the other ones. You'll have probably better opinions about the other teams because you're you can be objective. With your own team, you can't. I mean, mm-hmm. you. It's, uh, um, I think it's a, it's absolutely natural that you you can hate on your on your team more. Like 
we we said about this many times about the Knicks. We have a young team. I don't know why people are complaining about the Knicks because uh, we have a young team with great good players, but everybody still complains. But yep. they they say, oh look at that team. They have young players and they're they're winning as well. It's the same as the Knicks, dude. Why are we complaining about the Knicks if they're praising what the other team did? So it's exactly the same situation. But your team, you want to be better than the rest, so you you will criticize more your team. I think that, that that Jefferson comment applies to every fan base. And the Knicks maybe are we're more hungry to win because we haven't won we haven't won well since Clyde Frazier was still a player. So obviously we're hungrier and we're the New York Knicks, the, the big the, the Mecca and everything. We want to be best, the, a good team because we're in a big market. You want to we want to be a big market team. So that's that that's the pressure there. We can't. Oh, we can't go mid. We can't have to go top. Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes it takes time. To me, it's, it's so. Well, if I'm gonna disagree with you slightly here, um, I think we are worse than other fan bases. And the reason I say that is this. In the past three years, we've had two winning seasons, and it appears two out of three years making a play, making the playoffs. Okay. Considering in a vacuum for a team that has been largely inept for about 23 years. Okay. And you go on, on social media or forums or whatever, and you got people saying the type of things you would be saying if we were like a Blazers fan, you know, they're having a disappointing season. They're probably not going to make the play in. You would think we were them because people in Knicks fans, a lot of times want to prioritize their agendas, right? Like they can't support the success of Julius Randle because they said they wanted to trade him, uh, you know, or before the season. They can't support RJ Barrett being a good NBA player and getting over 20 a night because they really wanted the Knicks to go after X, Y, or Z player, or they didn't want them to sign them to that number. It's all about kind of the narrative thing. Right. And sure. like, I know I live in Detroit, as you know, and I know a lot of Pistons fans. So when I talk to them about the Pistons right now, they they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, we're rebuilding, but I love this team. I think we could contend in a year or two, blah, blah, blah. Like they they say that they believe that, you know, we may know that that probably isn't the case, that they're probably a little further way out, but they're not going to be like just the other day. We had somebody, some fans on there talking about Alonzo Trier is better than Emmanuel quickly. Like, this is a team that is vying for a fifth seed, potentially a fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. And you're talking about a player who's been out of the league for like three years. Okay. And so I just feel like we're we're so, so critical. Find me a player on this roster that the Knicks, Knicks fans are not critical of. At some point in this year, people have shit on Julius. People have called Jalen Brunson the ball hog, who's the best point guard that we've had since Mark Jackson. Um, they've called RJ... A bunch of things they said that he's not worth the money they said he, he you know he's garbage and we should get rid of him should have been the diamond mitchell trade whatever they talk bad about mitch they we, we've shitted on isaiah hartenstein on this podcast uh people call quickly a ball hog said he's not that good grimes they say he's he's overrated you know it's just like every single player up and even josh hart who has done nothing but win since he's gotten here even he gets criticism because like oh Whoa, he's just monopolizing Grimes' closing minutes. Like, do you hear yourself talking? You know, like, 
you're saying, oh, I'm so mad that my team is winning because I really wanted Quentin Grimes out there in the fourth quarter. Like, who cares? Your team is fucking winning. And Grimes is still getting minutes. It's not like he's getting five minutes a game or something, right? So I do think we're a little bit more critical, you know? And if we, like, fl- turn turned it over, and if we had any other team any other year that was, like, a four or a five seed in two out of three years for, again, a franchise. Like, look at the Kings. Kings fans has nothing bad to say this year. Why? Because they're they're used to 15, 16 years of ineptitude, and they finally have a team that's that's going to get a home uh, first round series in the playoffs. And you know they love Sabonis, they love Fox, they love all these guys. And here we are, still not sure how we feel about Julius Randle, not sure how we feel about R.J. Barrett, because we're so addicted as a fan base to narratives, to agendas, to all this stuff. Because, and again, because it's like big market New York City. Well, we deserve a championship team because we're the biggest market. We've been waiting for so long. Like there are a bunch of teams that never won a title. You know, they don't deserve to have good players. They don't deserve to want their team to win. There's a there's a narrative thing. There's an entitlement thing to me, and I think that's the problem with our fan base. Now, is that maybe magnified by Twitter? Sure, but I think there's a decent enough amount of fans where you can make the argument that, yeah, we are maybe a little bit overly critical and negative of our players. Maybe that's why we had the Charlie Ward curse to begin with, you know, because the pressure was too much from these fans. I don't know. Like, I don't know. If I, am I off base there? But that's kind of like the vibe. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree with it. I, I'm not, I wasn't saying that we are uh, exactly the same as other teams, uh, the other fan bases. And it's like, and you nail it. It's uh, um, I think we kind of met, halfway here with the uh, big market team. We have big market team examples. They get the free agents and they continue. Oh, the, the, the players are gone. A few years later, they're back with players signing free agency because they're, they can attract those free agents and they can be contenders. Like in every, every five years, they're contending again. If it's a thing, it's a, a... and the next, we, we, we didn't have that. We don't have it. We we uh, we discussed this before. It's we're a big market team that need to build like a, a smaller market team. I mean, imagine. Can you imagine that what the Knicks, the Knicks having the the same were if the Knicks were in the same situation as the Detroit Pistons? Mm-hmm. It's we wouldn't be happy because oh, this these guys can win. We need to trade them for. We need to trade this for the for the star. For the star, for the star, for the star. We're, we're star stars for so long here in New York. And it's like the pressure is much bigger. Fans put the pressure on themselves. Let me, let me interrupt you to real quick, Rafa. Do you no, consider either Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle a quote-unquote star at this point in the, in the NBA? I mean, they're, they're, getting, they're getting there. I mean, I mean, it's hard to argue would, against Brunson this year, the way he's played at, at, at the position. And Julius is now yeah. a two-time All-Star. So the, it's tough, what, right? The, the, thing <laughs> I was going, the thing I was going for is the consistency. Hmm. So if Brunson from here on in, uh, here and out, can still play this same level, yeah. he, he can be or even elevated in the, the, the playoffs especially. And that's the thing that doesn't make them – they're not stars. Playoffs. They're yeah, not, to I be mean, determined, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. That's yeah. the thing that the NBA makes the stars. Getting the and getting it done in the playoffs. Right. 
and they showed off in the playoffs. I mean, uh, Doncic, he, he, well, he didn't make it in the playoffs. He didn't win a title, obviously. But, you know, the guy the when he was finals. losing... Yeah. yeah, he went get to conference final, but and before when he lost, he came he, he went down swinging hard. Mm-hmm. And the team, oh, he's alone. So that's like the Donovan Mitchell thing, yeah. right? He never really had playoff success exactly. that much in in Utah, but uh, you know, eventually, but he was he was putting up points in the losing effort. There's, yeah, there's stars or they're great players, mm-hmm. but they're not the the the, the level. The playoffs makes that player a, the distinguished star or a superstar, which I yeah. term, I well, yeah. But they're getting there. Brunson can maintain the style of play if Randall can maintain because Randall is a two-time, uh, not MVP. Then uh, I wish a two-time All Star, a two-time All Star. But it was a good, well, bad year, good year, bad year, good year. So he's uh he needs consistency. Freaky, yeah. yeah it's the thing to me. To, to me, a star needs to be good or great consistently. Consistently, like you know. This year, next year, the next year, because the talk I, I can just imagine the talk during the summer is, can Julius Randle be the same as last year, or he will, re- or he will revert back? Because mm-hmm. it's up and down. Can Brunson maintain the level? If two or three seasons have of the same level, okay, these guys are are, are stars. The, the, they can get in the playoffs consistently. They just need maybe a little bit more to win a win a championship. I mean, I think that if Julius Randle had that, uh, um, maybe it was a, a better three-point shooter or the clutch clutch shots, he was a bit better. I know he hit a massive shot against the Heat, but uh, a bit better on that closing stages, the, arguably he would be a star. The thing, too, I, I look at it, is like I feel like a lot of Knicks fans use their lifetime of watching the team as yeah. the barometer of where we are today. Like, oh, I remember when we signed when we signed Andrea Bargnani. I remember when we when we signed Joakim Noah. You know, like they remember all these bad contracts, right? And like, I think yeah. a friend of the pod, Mario, he was kind of uh, you know retweeting this thing about who's the worst signing your team has ever had. He threw out Jerome James, but there's like so many people you could go with. Like, there's people who bringing up Travis Knight from like the late '90s. You know, and it's just like. Uh, there's so many ways you go, but if we look at the Leon Rose era, they've largely hit on just about every draft pick. Um, Trevor Keels this year, to be determined. It looks like he should have stayed in college another yeah. year, but you know, to be determined. Yeah. Um, they, you know, yeah, they whiffed on Fournier, but this is the same for Kemba. Yeah, and Kemba. We, we like last year was bad. We get that, but yeah. acquiring acquiring Brunson was good. Randall has been a net positive for this team, you know, and. You know, they re-up their guy and RJ. He's criticisms aside, he still performed well, and I think he's living up to his contract. When you compare, like his number was kind of somewhat similar in the same ballpark as DeAndre Hunter. I think he's having a much better year than DeAndre Hunter. So that's what you've got to compare it against. You can't compare it to Zion and Ja because their contracts are different. They're getting paid supermax deals, you know. So I think Zion with. So much you picked on you talked about Zion with all those injuries, is he living up to that contract? Oh, when he plays, he changes, but he's uh, always injured. Yeah, yeah, he's not living up. Is he living up? No, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying Zion is a bad player, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the injuries you have to take him into account. Yeah, 
but but the thing goes it's just like this fan base is just wants to shit on this front office get rid of this get rid of that and we'll talk we're going to talk about Thibodeau in a second here this is a guy who's been here three years two out of three years have had winning seasons and then you talk about the executives and what they've brought in there hasn't been any drama in the garden like I feel like we're we're just living in the past and that's why we get so mad you know, why we get so mad about not getting David Mitchell. Like, oh, there's just like what we whiffed on on Kyle Lowry, you know? And it's like, no, it's not because you got a player. You can make the argument. Jalen Brunson has played better than Donovan Mitchell this year. You can make that argument. You know, you could also maybe keep the other way, but you could have that discussion. So it's not like there's a fall off, right? And yeah, so I, that's what kind of irks me, man, is like we we want and we feel like we deserve a Michael Jordan. And, you know, we've never had one. And it's why Ewing has such a sour relationship with this fan base. Because, well, he never won the big one. Got to the finals twice, but he never won the big one, you know. Which speaks a little bit to ring culture, you know, which has been like a big topic on uh, in the NBA circles in recent weeks. But, yeah, I, I just kind of feel like we are a little too harsh on our players. We are, like, we are, we kind of set them up to 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 fail, I think, because, you know, it goes back to when they get drafted. Right. Well, I wanted to take this yeah. guy, you know, and see, look what he's doing over there in over there in San Antonio, you know, and and you know, like that's like that's like Obi was set up to fail because of the Halliburton thing, right? Yeah. Everybody wanted Halliburton, and he didn't get him, you know, and it's just uh, so I just feel like we we could tone it down a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Team guys, uh, and I agree with the, the narratives you talked. We mentioned before it's. Guys want to to win, mm-hmm. or they want to be the team to be successful. But yeah, in in the way they want it to happen, exactly or through the draft or with this player or with that player. And uh, I mean, I mentioned before, I would love for the for RJ Barrett to be the number one guy scoring, dumping thirty points on every every game. Yeah, but he's not that. I'm not. I'm not going to shit on Randall or Brunson or anyone else for taking those minutes. I mean, it's the Knicks at first, not the the player narrative or the 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 way of constructing addicted I to mean, being right. That's that's the thing. They're all addicted to being. Yeah, right. that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it. We can we can put a pin in that. Um, let's mention Thibodeau a couple times there. Let's talk about him a little bit more. Um, so, Alex. Phone us in if you uh, if you want to chime in here, but uh, um, so and these I, are random. I Eastern always conferences. feel dirty, man. I always feel <laughs> dirty. We talking about Tibbs and Alex isn't here. I, I like man, like well. whenever that happens, he kind of hits us with the cliff notes the next day in the chat after he hears the episode. You know, I was I'm like, waiting, I'm to already make sure waiting. that we we addressed what we needed to be addressed. That's good. That's how we know we're doing a good job, right? Um, but yeah, uh, a random Eastern Conference executive has said that Tom Thibodeau is going to be a liability for the Knicks in the playoffs, that he his style of coaching and the way he adjusts and does things that lineups and things of that nature is going to hurt the team when it comes into uh, winning in the playoffs. So first off, uh, do you think that this is feasible? Is this like, is this a legit thing or are people just kind of grasping at straws? I mean, first of all, I love these reports about, Unknown uh, general I mean, manager, unknown yeah. team official. I mean, like, great. That's amazing. That's not pushing a narrative at all. <laughs> right. I mean, why does it, why wouldn't it work? I mean, 
normally teams shorten their shorten their rotations in the playoffs. <laughs> we already shortened rotations. So players will be okay. I know what's how many minutes I will play. So they don't need to adapt to that. Um, I mean, I don't know. We will play the same style. We'll play the same basketball. It's uh, ISO heavy league. It's the. Uh, I mean, we're we're fighters. We fight out on defense. I mean. Obviously, we have games when we shoot terribly and we throw the games away, but it's like like every team does that. So I don't know where this is, is coming from. It's just to shit on Tibbs before or in the for people to go, ha, you know, I told you Tibbs will fail. I know I knew Tibbs would fail. He failed in Chicago. Ha ha. Yes, against the Miami B3. Rafa, you mentioned that. Um the shooting is what's gonna undo this team in the playoffs. You know, that's that's what's going to be the problem. Like we can yeah. we uh, on that losing streak we just had, we couldn't make anything, you know. So if that happens in the playoffs, yeah, we're done. My thing is, I feel like they're holding two years ago against him. They're like, oh, see, everybody was so high on the Knicks. But then we go into the playoffs against Atlanta and they got their pants pulled, you know. And and I'm just like, first of all. You know, every year is different. You know, you you can't just speak in absolutes like that. Second of all, this is it just totally discounts the Jalen Brunson effect. Like that that playoff series, you were dealing with young Emmanuel Quickly and Alfred Payton as your point guard, and there an old Derrick Rose. You know, so yeah, no shit. Now you have a guy who should have been an All Star, manning the point, and we saw it against Denver when it comes down to it, and they need a bucket. Jalen Brunson is the guy who's going to get them that bucket, period. And to act like, you know, what Thibodeau is somehow going to hold them back, like with what? You know, like how is he going to hold them back? You know, like is he going to, well, because of like his offensive schemes, like you just said that, like they're, it's an ISO league. It gets even more half-court ISO in the playoffs. And that's why like a lot of people aren't so high on Memphis, right? Because they don't really have much of a half-court game. They're more of a run-and-gun style. And we have a half-court game because we have two guys who can isolate. Actually, three guys, if you throw an RJ into that mix. And you can even throw quickly in there, too. Four guys who could isolate at a pretty high level. So I just don't don't see it. It feels like they're just trying to stir the pot into my next question, which is if the team fails, uh, flames out in the playoffs. Like, let's say they draw either Cleveland or Philly and they get swept, right? And... Is that an incentive to move on from uh, in the coaching position, in your opinion? Ooh, that's a that's a tricky one. I mean, getting swept against the Cavs or uh, Boston or whatever, whoever we get, I think it's way too heavy. Even with the season we had, getting swept in the playoffs would be a oh, fail, yeah. mm-hmm. absolute fail. I mean, the way we were playing, if we get swept, I, I don't know. It depends on how the uh, the front office will look at that, look at this, and how okay. This this is what the team can give with Tibbs. It, we had a, a, they can give him another season, but then it's the same thing after uh, swept in the he gets swept in the playoffs, gets into the team, it gets into the new season, things don't start very well, and he's he's on a hot seat again. Hmm. I mean, or you go with that same situation. This, if we get swept, by the way, right, right. If we get swept, or we just okay, Chips has built it. 
we know the foundation we have. Obviously, being swept it was terrible, and we can get to the next step. We because we traded for Josh Hart, so this is a fail, mm-hmm. and we move on from the coach. I mean, end of cycle. Not a you're fired, you suck, but okay. This is a cycle. You finished your job with the New York Knicks with it that we wanted. If we, I mean, obviously it's get it's different getting swept by the Cavs or losing in Game Seven. It's a we 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 slug it out, and so it's uh, uh, I mean, if Doc Rivers failed miserably with the Sixers many times and he's still there, obviously tips yeah. can continue. Yeah, right, right. I mean, at least. If we lose first round or second round, but not getting swept, I think Tips can stay here for another another season at least. Just can solidify the, that uh, that building, that uh, build those those building blocks. Only if it's an epic epic disaster, man. It's it, it's Tips gone now. Here's the way I look at it: If they get swept, let's say let's say they draw Cleveland, you know, and they get and they get swept by Cleveland, and I think then the front office says, "Ho." Oh, well, we really did need a superstar, right? So then maybe they try and go get one. And then they think, is Tom Thibodeau going to be the coach that's going to be able to handle a superstar? Let's say, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Let's say it's Damian Lillard, hypothetically, right? Just whatever. And you trade for Dame and you're like, that's a win now move, whatever. And you say, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to handle it. So I think they maybe go elsewhere because they face so much. And it's like, well, we did it your way. And we end up in two first round exits with one playoff win, one playoff game win. And in between, you know, this year and two years ago. And I think though, on the flip side, if they do, let's say they, again, they draw Cleveland, let's say they beat Cleveland in six or seven, and then they get Milwaukee in the next round and hard fought. Maybe they lose in five or six to Milwaukee. I think they keep him then because they say, hey, we, we added the player. We got to the second round. Perfect. Even if they lose in seven in the first round, I think they still think that way. It's like, hey, let's get a, another offseason with Jalen, Julius, and RJ. Quickly he's going to take another step. We'll work on re-signing him. You know, we, we have our nucleus together. We have a draft pick from Dallas. See what we could do with it. and And then just kind of uh, go from there. So it, I think it's a really interesting inflection point for for the team right now when yeah, it comes to the coach. True. Because if you get embarrassed in the first round, I think he's gone. You know, because yeah. they're looking at it. Because we've said it before, he runs hot. He has a shelf life. And I think his shelf life is three to four years. So we're right around that point. And so that's where it's going to be become a thing. And who they who they would go with after that, I don't know. But I don't know. Yeah, no, none of us know that. But I think it's it's a Tony Bryant. You think you would go with Tony Bryant in that situation? I mean, I don't know. It's uh, you think they would go in uh in in team and bring someone up, or they would go and get someone? uh, I mean, the the idea is if you go in team, he knows the players already, built a relationship well-respected already, and they could pick up where they left off, and maybe he just has some new ideas. Yeah, that's the thing is, because I don't think after this, this season right here, even if we get smoked in the first round, I don't mm-hmm. think Tibbs will be a, a just let's cut with everything we've done in the past. It's like, a, okay, it's fresh ideas, but continuation. In that sense, in that sense, it, it makes sense to get a guy who knows the players and who can – Build on what Tibbs has built, not come in 
and do a, an entire different different thing, different offense, different everything. Do you have like an being, external person that you would want more than anyone right well, now? I don't, I don't know. The, don't, the only name really that know. has ever made sense to me is Ty Lu, you know, and just because he's he's a really good yeah. coach and he's very good, and uh, I think I think he he knows how to manage you know ball dominant players. You know, he's done it. He did it in Cleveland with uh, Kyrie and LeBron. He's doing it with the Clippers right now with Paul George and Kawhi, and uh, yeah, I think. He's the type of guy you would want if you decide to move on. I I don't I think like we mentioned earlier, Thibodeau has had two winning seasons in three years. You know, yeah, yeah, it's hard to just say, yeah, get the fuck out of here after that, right? You know, and yeah, absolutely. As much as you and I have both criticized him, as much as Knicks fans criticize him, the numbers are the numbers. You know, he has a winning record as a Knicks coach, twenty some odd games over five hundred, and and it's. You know, it's, it's something that I think I think they need to have a good showing in the first round to show growth, win more than one game in the first round. Right. If you go out in six or seven, that's OK, just as long as they weren't blowouts and the team is playing well. But, you know, and or I mean, the ideal thing would be to win a series. But if the loss comes to the Cavs. Stop. It's absolutely devastating to mm. Tibbs, the front office, everything. It's absolutely devastating if we lose the Cavs like like that. I mean, that seven situation, games, six games, four games. It's in that situation, you almost want to prefer being the sixth seed, right? You know, like just from yeah. that because, like, yeah, we talked before we started recording about not wanting to play Philly just from a visual spectator perspective, but. Yeah. I think you could stomach losing to MVP candidate Joel Embiid more easily yeah, than you could absolutely. to losing to the guy who you almost got in the summer. You know, the, narrat- the narratives, the narrative be thing, right? Unbearable. It's incredible. It's uh, oh my god. I think uh, the title for this episode is going to be narratives, narratives, narratives. I think that's uh, that's a good one. Um, let's uh, let's let's close this out on a on a high note though. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ooh. RJ. So. I'll be completely honest here, Rafa. I've really, really, really have been frustrated by RJ at a lot of points during the year, right? Ooh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Every time that, like, I've, I, I said this uh, on another pod recently where, like, I'm at the point now where a lot of times when he shoots threes, I don't think they're going in, you know? And it's yeah. just, it's the shooting's been rough. But lately, I feel like the last five, 10 games, he's really, really improved this efficiency inside inside the arc when he's going uh attacking the rim and you you're seeing stuff you're seeing like nice euro step moves bracing himself for yeah. contact and being able to finish and follow through be good at the line as well when he does get to the line so what are you making of the success in the paint what, what are you seeing from rj right now a lot more confidence it's mm-hmm. it's always to me it's always his problem lack of confidence and uh finishing shooting the three i mean he's the guy who looks he's okay you, you know he's not confident in his shot and everything he does but he looks like he's confident when when he's doing it it's mm. weird but you yeah. know okay because mm, we watch so many games you know that he is not confident and when you talked about the euros and the the, the spins and the the patience and everything that's confident energy that's knowing the shots going in Against Denver, late fourth quarter, attacking Nikola Jokic, that's confidence RJ right there. I mean, 
guys take shots. I mean, th- that shot over Jokic what was a, a bit of a circus shot by RJ. There's a, a fade from Julius Randle, which the fade went, went out. I was like, hands on my head and like, okay, it went in. Great. It's That's confidence shots. The guys know I'm hot. I will make it. Mm-hmm. And when RJ isn't, isn't hot, it's 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 frustrating the, the misses and we can lock look at the the the, the non-con the, the, the all the contact that he gets not getting ca- calls and that's frustrates him as well why, why but, do you think he doesn't get those calls because i feel like jalen gets the calls because you could say because he's small and he could kind of flop a little bit julius i feel like 75 percent of the times he's been getting calls you know he's getting a little bit of that, that all-star right. treatment i mean why do you think rj doesn't get them still I don't know, man. It's so weird. Some of, I mean, some of those calls. Okay, eh, it's it could be a foul, but I'll pass. Not having a foul, the contact, they both jump. It's okay, but some of those calls are egregious. Like what? How? How can you not call? The, the guy has a bone sticking out, and you're making <laughs> calling anything. It's ridiculous. Those that the, that those calls, man. But I mean, there's no reason for it. I mean. If it's a foul, call it. Oh, it doesn't affect a shot. Yes, it does. Just call it, please. Just be consistent one day. Um, but I think he learned kind of change that. He learned, okay, they're not making the that they're not going to call this uh, this a foul. So I will try to play through it, mm-hmm. even if it make it an and one. If it's not an one, it's a, a basket. I think. That's where he improved the most because you know when he finishes when he uh, sensed the contact, he was like, "Hey!" and threw the ball mm. up. He misses it because he's waiting for the for the foul. But n- now he's okay. I'm not playing for the foul. I'll play to finish it. And he's been much better at it. And he's been able to not get the the, the primary assist, but that uh, hockey assist or that. Thing that that pass gets the, the the offense going with that penetrating pass out and the ball moves around. That's mm-hmm. him initiating the offense with the that penetration because when he's finishing like that, because he's finishing at an elite level right now, this is amazing. I mean, they will need to protect his that type of penetration, and so they will leave. Well, and that's the problem. They will leave the shooters open, which is we know the shooters open with the Knicks is well. It is what it is. It's uh, you're talking about RJ's three point shooting. Oh, oh it, it's going to be a miss. I mean, I, there's games when I always feel, oh, there's a three pointer. Oh, that's a miss mm-hmm. for every Nick out there. Every yeah. Nick out there. It's ridiculous. We're not a good shooting team. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? No, and we're not a good shooting team. And you have guys that need good shooters around him. <laughs> right. RJ needs the shooters around him. Brunson needs it as well. Brunson is the guy who's been able to make more shots for his own, but he needs those shooters. Randall needs the shooters. I mean, but he's not... Crime's shot isn't falling. Josh Hart is open. He doesn't shoot. He, I wish he would, sh- would shoot a, a lot, uh, a bit more. Yeah, I feel like um, there's at least one or twice yeah. a game where he gets an open wing three and he just doesn't even yeah. take it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His mentality is to help. He's a team player. He's not going to make the shots, but sometimes he needs... It feels like every time he shoots the three pointer, it goes in. So please continue. We need that that shooting. <laughs> right, 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 man. I mean, have Fournier's ability to oh, I'm open, I shoot. Mm-hmm. 
but actually be a better player than Josh Hart. Just have that shot selection better. Yeah, with when bringing it back to RJ, you know, I I love to see him showing adjustments in his game, you know, like he used to be where it's just like, oh, he was just going to get to the rim and it, like the percentages were real bad. And, you know, part of that, of course, is not getting foul calls. But uh, but now, like you mentioned, he is absorbing the contact and he's taking a more makeable shot instead of just kind of flailing the arms up and and doing some sort of circus shot. And I think kind of like you see that from Jalen, you see that from Julius, and now you see it from RJ. And that's that's something great to see. And yes, the shot has not been falling. I think he was like over three or over four from three against Denver. And, you know, I'm hoping that it comes around, you know, RJ's a streaky shooter. So he's going to have times where he's he's making everything and there's he's going to have times where it's just not going in. And he's in one of the slumps where it's not going in right now. And but it hasn't deterred him is the important thing. Like he's still attacking the basket with confidence, like you mentioned, you know, with force and being able to showcase the moves, right? Being able to kind of do a little up and under, doing a little Euro step, you know, kind of avoiding the contact, contorting the body a little bit and still being able to finish with the left hand. And that's incredibly encouraging to see because those are momentum plays. Those are plays that keeps the offense going. You know, a lot of times, you know, you'll see maybe Julius miss a couple threes in a row, maybe, Brunson kind of misses a couple shots. Being able to just give it to RJ and let him go eat is incredibly important yeah. to me. Absolutely. And he, he I mentioned that him being able to to score and to be a threat on a threat on offense helps us a ton for the playoffs we just discussed. I mean, yeah. he's another another player who can uh, have the ball in his hands instead of uh, just Brunson and Randall and quickly who has been a little a lot more streaky now He's, he doesn't feel like he was a, is up and up and downs now he was so consistent for a, a, a stretch a few weeks and now he's uh has games when he's really good or effective with the ball in his hands other games he's a uh, uh, manual so quickly experience man that's what it is you know he's a streaky shooter. it's 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 growing pains right mm-hmm. it's the guys developing knowing that their moments knowing their 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 spots it's uh uh not comparing players uh, instead of just uh, accepting what the player we have and waiting for him to develop. No, he's Max. He is better than him, or that guy is better. We should trade for him. I mean, can we wait to get mm-hmm. to develop, have a little bit more few happens, right? Because because that's it. It's we have Brunson, who's twenty five or twenty six. Randall, twenty seven or whatever, twenty eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other guys, I mean. One of the oldest Knicks on the team, the oldest Knicks, or well, the longest tenure on the with the Knicks is probably Mitchell Robinson, who's twenty four. He is the longest tenured Nick right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's twenty four, mm-hmm. so he's still he's still immature. He's twenty four, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and Hart is a more experienced guy to help these young guys as well. It's uh, our veterans are twenty eight. Hartenstein is twenty three or twenty four as well. I mean, he, crazy I mean, how young he has really, been in the league for, for yeah. quite a bit, quite a while. We're let's say we're a young team, and we'll we'll be streaky. I mean, it's uh, people want to be patient. Oh, we the, the growing the the Grimes minutes for growing. Yeah, the other guys are growing too. Quickly, uh, 
and RJ especially and Mitch is still growing in like we talked about with Tips yeah. saying he's still maturing. Well, they are still maturing. I mean, mm-hmm. would were, were you this mature uh, when you were 24? I no. wasn't. <laughs> it was six years ago for me. I mean, well, seven years ago for me. So it's I wasn't that mature. So mm-hmm. and things change. Like give him time to develop all of them. Did this give RJ a time as well to get his shot selection? I mean, the threes he's, he's taking. It's not like he's forcing the three point shots. I'm like he's open. They're good shooting. Looks, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're good looks. They're not going in. I mean. You got to allow this guy to develop. You know, that's the thing. You know, like people are just expecting him to just wake up one morning and all of a sudden he's a superstar, you know, and that's just not how it works. You know, you're not going to be, it's gradual steps for him. And every year he's improved something. I think you look at years past and how he is now at the rim, never been better. And if your only takeaway from RJ this year was he got better at attacking and finishing at the rim anybody would sign up for that because that was one of our biggest criticisms of him last year. Right. So yeah. hoping to see more of that from RJ in the future. To, um, just to point out that his, uh, his defense ever since the, the, the all-star break has been a, a lot better. It's been gradually yeah, going yeah. up more. He's more active on defense, trying to, he's, he loses himself. Yes. On defense, but he tries, he's trying a lot more right out there. At least he's got it. Even when his shot isn't falling or he's not playing any off a part of the offense, his defense is okay. He can hold himself at least. Not he's not a liability right now, right? Which was another issue up, up to this point. Yeah, again, that's more improvement. Things we love to see from RJ. Hoping they continue, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. Uh, let's, right here. There you go. <laughs> let's make uh, some uh, game predictions. Uh, so this coming week. They're all kind of gluttoned up. No real uh, weekend games this upcoming week. I think it's probably because of March Madness. But uh, Monday, tomorrow, we got Minnesota at the Garden. Then on Wednesday, visiting Miami. And then Thursday, on a back-to-back in Orlando. So a little bit of a a Florida back-to-back there. So what do you got there, Rafa? What do you think is going to happen? I want to say a a positive thing, but... Since we're being these last two weeks, we have been so terrible predicting things. It's absolutely the opposite uh, <laughs> happens. Um, I will say we'll go one and two, just mm. to just to want the opposite. I mean, no, I can't. I think we're going. We can go three and zero in this stretch, or two and one. I think. The Minnesota game is a that's uh, uh, it's a, a weird game because Minnesota is a I feel Minnesota is a very weird team right now mm-hmm. after the trade with D'Angelo Russell and everything they're weird. Uh, the Magic I think is one of those teams we we need to to win. I mean I think they learned from the Hornets game mm-hmm. and they will come out guns blazing and beat the uh, the, the Magic. And the Heat game that's the big one for me this week. Mm-hmm. It's uh, in Miami. It's uh, they will want that win back that last went win uh next this that last game the Knicks won they the Heat will want it back they're trying to catch us in the standings so it will be a, a a very difficult game for the Knicks to win there I think environment uh, everything the the, the the thing everything will will surround that game a lot of pressure there 
Yeah, I'm going to go two and one as well. I think they drop either. Here's what I think happens. I think they beat Minnesota because Cat's still out. Edwards has like a weird injury. Uh, he might play, but. Oh, that's right. He's mm -hmm. injured, right? Oh, yeah, like yeah. an ankle injury, I think, the other day. Um, And they have a bunch of other players who are going to be missing uh, or questionable for the game as well. So uh, that feels winnable um, against against the Wolves. I think what's going to happen, either they're going to go all out against Miami and just be too tired for the back-to-back -back against Orlando, or they're going to lose to Miami and then be mad and beat Orlando. So I think they split the, that back-to-back -back one way or the other. Yeah. If my guess would be that they beat Miami but lose to Orlando, um, just because I feel like every game with the Heat is a fucking war, it's a grind, and it takes so much out of you. And to have to be uh, have another game the next night, that's going to take a lot. And the, the the Magic are a young team; they got they got a lot of interesting players. So that would be an amazing series in the playoffs. The Heat, this the Knicks with the heat i mean that would be a series to 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 remember yeah, every game this year has been well, super close know. you know been very very yeah mm -hmm. it's uh, we were discussing the celtics before the pot a, a team would be an amazing series the team will just slug it out against the heat would be the same it would be intense series right there yeah i agree it's not easy if this it finished like this, oh, with the without, without the plans, the, the 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 Sixers getting the 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 Heat would be not ideal. That the getting the Heat in the first round, by the way. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think the Sixers want that. I think if if the Heat are in the plane, I think they're really hoping that the Heat drop to eight. You know, get the Bucks. Move. That's an oof. Yeah, that's what the Sixers want. I'm saying, you know, because they they would rather get Atlanta. I would imagine, you know. Yeah, everyone right now wants the Nets. By the way, the Nets are the team they want. Yeah, you know what's so funny? Somebody posted that they're like, they're "Like, oh yeah, that means we're up now." See, they're afraid to play us. Like, no, no one respects the Nets because they don't have a superstar. You know, like, you know, they're just a scrappy team, and they haven't really won a bunch of games since the trade. So, they were, obviously, you want to play the Nets. Yeah, they're five and five last game, last uh, ten. Yeah, they're just an average w team, weren't they? Weren't they the fourth seed, uh, uh, right behind the? the they Celtics? were, yeah, they right were before, before the trades, yeah, right before all the trades, yeah, and then they they've they been losing two places. Yeah, they've been losing, you know, and Knicks have been winning, Cavs have been winning, so you know that that's what happens. But that is yeah. gonna wrap us up for another episode of the Worldwide Knicks Podcast. Down one man, Alex will be back next week. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at WWNicksPodcast, mm -hmm. where we tweet about the games and all the other happenings around the New York Knicks. Also, be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications on YouTube and on Spotify so that you know whenever a new episode drops. Uh, on behalf of Rafa, this is Omar, Worldwide Knicks, and we will catch you guys next time.